0: You're busy, and you want the best for your kids. We're here to help. This is Hope and Will, a parenting podcast from Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. In the days leading up to their spring break, Giovania McDowell helped her sons pack their bags. They were gearing up to spend time with family in Savannah. Four days into the trip, she received a terrifying phone call. Her youngest son, Jawan, had been shot a cousin found an unsecured gun, a gun that had been hidden under a T-shirt in the back of a clothes drawer. Assuming it was not loaded, he unintentionally discharged a bullet into his chest. He died 17 minutes later. Today, Giovanni is on a mission to empower parents to not shy away from asking others about unsecured firearms. And we'll also hear from Dr. Keisha Frazier-Doe, an emergency medicine physician who's cared for patients critically wounded by unlocked guns, often unintentionally at the hands of other children. Firearms are now the leading cause of death in children. If you've ever wanted to ask a friend or family member about the potential presence of unsecured firearms but felt uncomfortable about it, their testimonies just might give you the confidence to do so my honor to welcome Jovania McDowell to the show. Jovania. thank you for being here. I know that this cannot be easy, but it's such important information for parents. Yes, and thank you for having me. So let's go back to that day, early spring. Tell us about your boys and the relationship that they shared. My son shared a bond
1: that can never be broken. They were four years apart. They were inseparable and they loved each other. So that particular day, April the 7th, 2016, they were visiting family on a spring break. Spring break was exciting for the boys because it was a break from school, of course, and they had the chance to spend it with family. They wanted to visit our family in Savannah. And our plans were, once they returned on that Friday, that Saturday we were going to take them to the Great Wolf Lodge, you know, just to bring spring break to an end together as a family unit of four. But our ending was far from that. The day before our children were set to return home, our lives changed. We went from a family of four to an instant family of three. I received the phone call that no parents should ever be on the receiving end of that stated that we needed to hurry to get to Savannah because Joanne had been shot. Not knowing or being able to prepare or for the worst or even expect anything, I just know I needed my child to be alive. When we got there, we got the news that Jawan didn't make it. Further research and further investigating, um, Juwan was shot and killed by another teen playing with an unsecured firearm.
0: Where was that gun found? What exactly happened in that interaction? That gun was found in
1: a drawer under a T-shirt. The teens were home and another parent was supposed to be home at the time to supervise the boys. Within fifteen minutes of her stepping out and r- making an errand, life changed instantly in the blink of an eye. Just that quick in fifteen
0: minutes of her just stepping out to run that errand. Had you had a conversation with her? Did did they know that that gun was loaded? That it was in that drawer under a t-shirt? They knew that the gun was in the drawer
1: under a t-shirt, but they didn't know that the gun was loaded. And from the Initial investigation, the little boy that was playing with the gun, Jawan told him to put it away. And he said, look, see, it's not loaded, not realizing that it was a bullet in a chamber striking Jawan in his chest. And I think, you know, when you think of things of an unsecured firearm, we should never assume. And that starts with having that emotional conversation and asking, asking about the presence of guns at homes and how are they secured. Because children can stumble over gifts in a closet and surely they can stumble over an unsecured firearm that may be in a dresser drawer under a T-shirt or that may be in a closet in a shoebox. Kids are curious and they find things all the time around the home and they can definitely find and come in contact with the unsecured
0: firearm. Is there something or some things that might have kept you from asking that question then of whether or not there was a secure gun in the house or whether there was a safe gun in the house? I ponder a lot
1: on this particular question. And the only answer that I can comprehend is the importance of educating others. I always pray that that they never happen. And now that I'm in this situation, I always think of how we can protect kids. And it's by normalizing the conversation about gun safety and making sure firearms are always stored as securely as possible and inaccessible to children at all times, even if it's having that conversation with the family member.
0: You know, you wrote in a story shared with the Children's Strong for Life team that, quote, I think we have a false sense of security sending our children to visit with close friends and family members. We assume everything's gonna be okay because these people love our children as their own. And that's so very true. This is not something many parents would think to ask.
1: There are other things that we as parents, we ask about before allowing our children to go to a friend's or another person's home. Things like potential allergens, pets in the home, pool on a property, TV shows that, you know, the children may watch, um, screen time and even alcohol storage. We ask those particular questions, but we have to start normalizing asking about guns, too, because there are so many children that live in homes with guns even bringing back, you know, toy guns that kids play with and they don't understand or can distinguish between the two. And I think each of us have a more responsibility to ensure that any and all firearms that we own are securely stored, unloaded, locked, and inaccessible to children at all times.
0: You know, this is why we wanted to do this episode. It's not just about teenagers. Young children, I mean, they're getting into the smallest of areas. They find all those things. You mentioned presents in closets. It's leftover Halloween candy. Whatever it is, they can find it. And that's what makes this so very important. You know, March 7th, it marked a pretty significant milestone for your family. What was special about that day for you? That day, we would have celebrated
1: what would have been Joan's 21st birthday. And I think of all the happy birthdays that he would never hear from us. I think of the 15th birthday. He didn't get to hear it. The 16th, the 17th, the 18th, the 19th, the 20th, and now the 21st. You know, we commemorate his birthday each year because my family and I, we promised that we would never blot his candle meaning we would never let his candle just fade out. So we keep lighting that candle every time we talk about and share his birthday. It's difficult because he has an older brother who's four years older than he was. And each year he says that gap gets larger because when he was here, they were four years apart and now they're 11
0: years apart. And so that's very difficult on his journey. And those memories I know are... Powerful to us to hear and hard for you to share and still in your grief. What do you hope parents learn from this episode? What do you want them to take away from listening to your story? I want
1: parents to know that and to remember that we are more alike than we are different. I honor Juwan by using my voice to talk to parents, caregivers, like all of you that are listening about secure storage, a firearm. And for me, taking action is not a choice. It's my new path and my new mission so that another parent, another sibling, another cousin, another family member does not have to take this walk. And so that we can all make a difference and we can all make sure that we have this conversation, this much needed conversation and making sure that you're asking before you allow your child to go visit.
0: Yeah. And you're asking those important, difficult questions, but in some cases, it, it can be life changing. Giovanna, thank you for spending the time with us, sharing your son's story, and also sharing some true, important information for parents. Thank you. I'd like to now welcome Dr. Keisha Frazier Doe to the show. Dr. Fraser Doe has seen dozens of kids who, like Jawan, were injured by guns that had not been properly stored. Doctor, thanks so much for being here. As an emergency medicine physician, your workday, it's the emergency department. Can you start off by setting the stage for just how common it is for a case like Jawan's? Is it a couple of times a year? Is it a few months? Or is it more frequent than that? So when I first started working at the emergency
2: department, we would see maybe one or two a month then it increased to about, in 2016, one every two and a half weeks. And now we are seeing two firearm injuries every week. And for perspective, 20 years ago, we saw less than 10 a year. So in 2003, the amount of the children we saw with firearm injuries was less than 10 a year, and now we are seeing two a week. I mean, that's stunning.
0: What about the pandemic? How do you think it has affected the risk for pediatric firearm injury?
2: Yeah, so the pandemic brought a lot of uncertainty to everyone's life. And so there was a significant increase in the amount of firearms that were purchased in the first two months of the pandemic, which then increased the amount of unintentional firearm injuries and suicides that we saw in children. So, there was a study that actually looked at firearm injuries over the first year of the pandemic in children. And at children's hospitals across the United States, we had a decrease in ED visits, or so emergency department visits. As we all know, the pandemic started off with children doing remote and virtual learning very frequently. So they were at home, frequently unsupervised. And so we saw a decrease in ED visits for cough, cold, knows noses because they were not in school, but we saw a 39% increase in visits for firearm-related injuries.
0: That's really why we wanted to do this episode, because it's so important to know what we can do to change this. The way
2: to prevent unauthorized access or a child getting access to your firearm that you do not want to ha- happen is to store your firearm safely. So the way that we recommend you store your firearm safely is, number one, you unload it. Number two, you lock it up. Number three, you store the ammunition separate from the firearm. So first, you make sure your gun is unloaded. Second, you make sure the gun is locked up. And third, you want to store the ammunition separate from the firearm. And we recommend layers of protection. So even eyeing on things like locking up your ammunition and if you're using a combination lockbox, which is what we recommend, that you actually make sure that that lockbox
0: combination is not something that is well known to everyone else in the family. Mm. Kids find things, and you may think that a child might not be strong enough to pull a trigger, but you actually point out that children as young as two are strong enough to pull a trigger? Absolutely.
2: So, first of all, I tell parents just like your children can find the gifts that you've hidden from them for holidays mm-hmm. and for their birthdays or anything else that you've hidden from them. You know, maybe you've hid their cell phone from them or their social media devices for a few minutes or hours. Just how they can find those things, they can definitely find your gun. So it's very important. It's imperative that it is locked up, unloaded, and stored separate for ammunition. Then in addition, yes, children as young as two years old have been known to actually pull the trigger. In the state of Georgia last year, a two-year-old shot himself and died, This year, we've already had a three-year-old who shot themselves. Fortunately, it was not deadly, but they did shoot themselves, a three-year-old in the state of Georgia, this year. So this is something that is happening in our state. In fact, our state is actually number two in the country for unintentional shootings by children, meaning that if you line up all 50 states, we are number two in children actually unintentionally shooting themselves or another
0: child. So let's talk about what needs to be done. People listening right now, they may have a gun in their home or they know friends and family members who do. They may not know if there's a gun in the home that they're sending their child to. So what steps do parents need to take to ensure that guns are properly stored? And this is a really important thing to note. Nothing is 100% preventable. We know this. As parents, it's our job to have these layers of protection that you point out are so important. So what are some of these layers of protection to talk about?
2: So after you have verified that your own gun is stored securely and you've used the methods that we talked about with unloading your firearm, Making sure it's stored separate from your ammunition and locking it up. Then, the next thing we always recommend is that families ask about the presence of unlocked, unsecured firearms before their child visits on a play date. So, before they go visit grandparents, aunts, uncles, best friends, neighbors, always ask. I have a 16 and nine year old. These are questions that I ask myself. In fact, the reason why I got into this field of interest in firearm injury prevention is because I found myself so nervous asking my neighbor who literally lived across the street this same question, asking, you know, do you have an unsecured firearm in your home? And there are lots of different ways that we as pediatricians recommend that families can ask. So first of all, blame the pediatrician. You just us off by saying, hey, you know what? I was at my pediatrician's office and they said, I should always ask about unlocked guns or how people store guns before my child visits. Another thing you can just couch this question, The same way you couch other questions about safety. So, hey, my child is allergic to dogs. You're asking about dogs in the home. You're also saying, hey, my child is on a strong swimmer. So you're asking about, you know, if they have a pool. Then you say, no. And by the way, you know, we store our firearms locked up. Do you guys have your guns locked up in your home also before my child comes over? These are questions I always ask for the safety of my child. So those are the ways we recommend that families approach the subject.
0: It's so important to talk about because I think a lot of people would worry about that question, like a play date or meeting new friends or meeting new families. There's a fear this person might be thinking you're judging them or that you're questioning them because you're concerned about their safety. And so are there ways or tips to help get that question out, to make it more comfortable?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So I have also had the same problem. And, you know, I like I said, I have two children myself, and so I've, I've had so much trepidation and fear to ask this question. And I find that every single time I've asked this question, I've only gotten positive responses from the parents.
0: And just be clear and direct. You know, is there an unlocked gun in your house? Like just being as direct as possible. So there are a lot of gun storage options out there. Do you have a preference as to what might work the best?
2: Yes, about 60% of Americans actually own their gun for protection. So I'm sure many of the parents that we are listening to this podcast own their gun for protection. And so people who own their gun for protection inherently would want their gun to be easily accessible to them. So what we recommend are lock boxes because lock boxes actually can be easily accessible, but most importantly, can help you store your gun safely and securely away from children who would have unauthorized access. The top of lock boxes that are recommended are combination lock boxes, and you can consider fingerprinting, RFID coding lock boxes also. We prefer not keys because keys can be misplaced, they can be stolen, they can be lost. So we prefer to recommend combination lock boxes, which cost about $20 to $25 and can be found in the same stores that sell your firearms. And an aside, some people might ask, why not recommend trigger locks or cable locks? The reason why I do not recommend those, especially for families who are using their guns for protection, is it makes it a little bit harder for them. But also, trigger locks and cable locks can be easily accessed by unauthorized older people. So older people, as in older children, so your teenagers can actually, they can be manipulated. And also, unfortunately, that also can be problematic if your gun was stolen. So we would recommend lock boxes. They are definitely much more secure.
0: And then in Jawan's story, he was with family and it's a home where his parents felt he would be safe. So is this something that you see often that it can happen with loved ones, not just families or environments that are new to you?
2: Yes. So unfortunately, about three out of four injuries that actually happen in
0: children happen like in a family home Actually, their own family home. Yeah, and this is an important reason to not just ask of friends, but to ask family members if they're going over there.
2: Absolutely. And another thing to just add about safe storage devices, we talked about there's trigger locks, there's cable locks, which are effective in storing maybe your guns. If you are using them for hunting, that's a good way to secure them. But we have recommended lock boxes if you're actually locking up your gun for protection. But if you have lots of different devices and lots of different firearms, then we would actually recommend a gun safe, which is definitely even more secure, can be a little bit more costly for families. The average gun owner has about five guns, and so a gun safe would definitely be very useful for the average gun owner.
0: So I want to close with this. What should parents tell their kids to do if they encounter a gun? Does that advice change with age as well? You know, being able to explain that to my seven-year-old and four-year-old, you know, they think of a gun as a toy. That's frightening to me too, right? Because they see like the toy guns. They're not thinking this is something that could really harm them. How do we have that conversation?
2: Yeah, so very good question. We actually did a study in our emergency department here at Children's and found that most children think that a gun from a picture might actually look like a toy when they actually have poor discernment between deciding between what is a gun that is actually real versus toy. So just assume everything is actually a real gun is probably a good starting point for you because children cannot discern easily between what is a toy gun and what is a real gun. So the second thing that I always tell parents is, you know, educate your children on what to do when they actually come across a gun. So first, stop. Don't touch it. Leave the scene and tell adult. So those are the things that we recommend. Stop. Tell your child stop right then. Don't touch it. Leave the scene. Leave the area. Leave the room. Leave the house and run and tell an adult. And that is universal messaging that you can give your three-year-old, that you can give your 16-year-old, because in both of those situations, the gun should not be touched. And one other thing I'd like to add is that, unfortunately, what we have found is that children are naturally curious. And so even though you've given them this creative advice about what to do if they came across a gun, this is for someone else who hasn't stored their gun securely in your own home, you must ensure that you've done so. Because inherently, even when parents think they've trained their child what to do with the firearm, kids are curious. So it's so important that your gun in your home is unloaded, locked up, and stored separate from ammunition. No matter what you've done with the training with your
0: own children, you must have your
2: own gun in your home locked up.
0: And you've seen so much of this, so many unintentional firearm injuries affecting kids from little ones to teens. In our own institution, about 38% of the shootings that we actually
2: see are either the child shot themselves or the child shot another child. And one thing that I always tell people think about is this is actually young children. At our own Hospital of Children's Health Care of Atlanta, we actually do not see trauma over the age of 15. So all of the different cases of injuries of firearms in children at Children's Health of Atlanta are all occurring in children under the age of 15. So the increase that I mentioned earlier, where it is actually increased from six to 10 a year to two times a week, these are all in children under the age of 15. So a large percentage of our injuries are unintentional because of the fact that guns are not being stored safely.
0: I think that a lot of parents would be concerned, you know, you don't want to make them more curious by telling them what they can't do. So explaining to them the actionable steps that they can take to get out of the room, tell an adult. It's just so important for us to have this. And I I just want to reiterate, all of these tips, really good to know, but nothing's 100% preventable. You have to add these layers of security in its place. Doctor, thank you so much for being with us. You're welcome. I want to thank Jovanya and Dr. Fraser Doe for joining me today. For more about this episode and Joanne's story, visit choa.org podcasts. That's C-H-O-A dot podcasts. To stay in the know when new episodes become available, be sure to subscribe by searching Hope and Will Parenting in your preferred streaming platform and clicking follow or subscribe. I'm Lynn Smith, and this has been Hope and Will, a parenting podcast from Children's Healthcare of Atlanta.
2: This podcast is for general informational and educational purposes only. It is not to be considered medical advice for any particular patient. Clinicians must rely on their own informed clinical judgments when making recommendations for their patients. Patients in need of medical or behavioral advice should consult their family health care providers.